0: Now, how many of you love your mom? If you don't put your hand up, um, she's looking right now, and you are in serious trouble. How many of you love your dad? I hope you all keep your hand up. So um, I'm going to tell you about one of the things that my kids, when they were little, used to do that I just loved so much. There were times when I would just be sitting on the couch And reading, or maybe um, my wife and I, Kristen, were talking, or sometimes we were watching TV together. And one of my kids, Katie or Cameron or Troy, um, when they were very little, um, they would, for whatever reason, and sometimes I didn't always know why, they would climb up to the couch, climb up on the couch, and sit beside me and sort of cuddle up in this spot right here, or sometimes even climb up on my lap. Do any of you ever do that with your mom and dad? See, here's the thing that I can tell you. That if you do that sometime to your mom and dad today, and they maybe ask you, what are you doing? And you simply say these words. Everyone look at me. You say these words. I just like to be close to you. You know what I almost guarantee you? Is your mom or your dad will love it. You know why? Because they love you. And they love when you are close to them. And sometimes, here's what I can tell you, if your mom or dad is having a very bad day, and sometimes your moms and dads have bad days, right? When they have a bad day, sometimes you just wanting to be close to them makes that day better. Now, here's what I'm going to tell you. You better do it now. Because if my 15-year-old Troy did that to me now, I'd wonder something because he usually doesn't do that very much. And if my older kids, if they did it, boy, that would be something because they're a long way in Michigan and I don't even get the chance to do that. So you guys can all take advantage of that right now. You can say to your mom or your dad, I just want to be close to you because I love you so much. And here's what I can tell you. God will speak through that action to say to your mom and your dad and to you that he loves you. Because when you love another person enough to be close to them, God is present in that. So I hope later today to get a text from some of your moms and dads that says, hey, they cuddled up and boy, it was great. All right? I'm going to try to do that today? Some of you? Some of you know? All right. Now's your time to go be um, involved in children's worship. We're going to bless our kids as they leave. Raise your hands in blessing to them. Our blessing is simply this. May you always know God's love. love. And kids, we're going to bless our family and friends as well with the same blessing. One, two, three. May you always know God's love too. Awesome. Go be blessed. We love you. Have a wonderful time in children's ministry. Now, how many of you moms and dads, if uh, one of these little kids were to do that today, that would be pretty cool? Anyone? You'd be excited by that? There's a mom back there. couple moms, couple dads. That'd be pretty awesome, wouldn't it? Because when someone that we care about, someone that we love, is close to us, in essence, bringing the love that they have for us into our presence, into our space, it has power. It is power because if we understand and believe the truth of Scripture that God is love, then someone who loves us bringing love into our presence means even more deeply that we're experiencing God's presence through the presence of another And sometimes that gets highlighted in some very specific and powerful ways. There are times when in life we need that ministry of presence in powerful and in meaningful ways. There's times that difficult things happen that are hard to understand. For example, an unforeseen death, or perhaps a diagnosis that comes that knocks us onto our backs. Maybe something is going on in life that just consumes us and overwhelms us. And sometimes in those difficult experiences, some of the best stuff that we can do is not necessarily come with all the right words because some of you are scared, right? You're going to say the wrong word when all of a sudden someone is in that moment. If somebody is diagnosed with cancer, you're going to say the wrong thing and it's going to hurt more than it's. Can help, or when somebody's had a loved one who died, or somebody's going through something difficult, we're fearful that we're not going to say the right thing, and we're going to cause more pain, and that's a fair concern, but one thing that can be a blessing is simply to be present, to be there. One of the things I think, um, uh, a church leader that I once read, one of his things that he always said is, fried chicken on the front porch. And that was his, his thing oftentimes with people who were grieving the death of a loved one is he wouldn't necessarily go over with his Bible open or offering prayers. He would simply bring a bucket of KFC, sit on the front porch of whoever it was that was going through a difficult time and say, let's have some chicken together. And what he found is so often just being there and caring for somebody enough to give them food, although not healthy food, but good food, and sharing that space of just warmth and presence meant so much, even more than saying the right things or giving the right verse of Scripture. The ministry of presence is a powerful thing that we can all learn more about. And this morning, we're going to see perhaps one of the most powerful examples of that ministry of presence in all of Scripture, in the person of John, the disciple of Jesus. If you would turn in your Bibles with me to chapter 19 of the Gospel of John, you may not know... John um, is is called the beloved Disciple of Jesus, meaning he had a special place in jesus life um, that there was a relationship of intimacy and love in a deep, meaningful way the, a, a sense of brotherhood or a friendship that um, was 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 very meaningful. To Jesus and also meaningful to john um, it 's one of the reasons I believe why John, which is the gospel that we often or most often I most often recommend to a new believer who wants to understand more about who Jesus is, I want them to see john 's picture of Jesus even more so than the other three gospels because John is an intimate of Jesus he understands him even more closely into, into the depth of more who Jesus was in his heart, and because of their love relationship, he gives a different understanding of the story of Christ. I think that's a little bit what we see here. As we dig into God's word together, let's pray for God's blessing and presence in this time. Father, be present with us, encourage us, challenge us. Help us to understand, Lord, how we can be the ministry of presence to others. And perhaps, Lord, maybe we can acknowledge our need for that right now. That we need people to come alongside and just be with us, to be your love to us, to maybe bring not words, but instead just simply their space into our space to be a part of your love. Father, equip us as we hear this difficult story to understand that that was something that you long for because you long for relationship, you long for closeness. It's part of the reason for the Trinity, the most close relationship that could possibly be known. And you then call us to live into that with others. Equip us to then, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's interesting, um, this time of year, we're going through the crucifixion story, but I think the crucifixion story that we're going through here gives us a real understanding of this need, the desperation that Jesus had for the presence of a person who loved him and can challenge us to that end. We're going to begin with verses 16 through 18. It says this there. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus, carrying his own cross. He went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. And there they crucified him, and with him two others, one on each side, and Jesus in the middle. Now, um, as we begin this story, um, it's certainly this whole event and this whole activity, like this this sort of slice of, of, of 18 hours of Christ's life from the previous night where he was arrested in the garden and eventually is crucified and, and, and died, uh, dies in the afternoon, um, Got to imagine, that's got to be some of the most difficult time ever in all of humanity, right? I mean, Jesus is in intimate relationship with his father, and so he's going to be experiencing a severing or a distinction, uh, a difference in that relationship eventually to the point where he says, um, You know, he, he says, Why have you forsaken me, Father? So he's going through this spiritual pain. But while this whole spiritual journey is happening with his father and this change of relationship that he'd known for all time, he, God is eternal, he and the, Jesus, the, the son and the father, had been in this relationship eternally, now it's getting severed. Add to that the fact that he's being abandoned by those people that he's closest to in um, his human relationships. He had 12 disciples. One has already betrayed him. And all the rest have abandoned him, including one, Peter, who denied him three times. So, I mean, it goes from bad to to worse. Add to that the fact that this passage begins with him being put into the hands of who? Who is he put in the hands of in this passage? He's put in the hands of the soldiers. Okay, he's no longer under Pilate's care. Now he was beaten and flogged at the hands of the Jewish leaders. In Pilate's presence, there was at least an acknowledge that he has done no sin. There was no condemnation. But now he goes back with the soldiers who are the ones who have beaten him. And now they have charge of him. So you can imagine this journey from from Pilate's house to Golgotha, uh, down what is called the Via Dolorosa in Jerusalem. Some of you have been there. It's not a short journey. We're not talking about something. We're talking more like a half mile. You're carrying a cross that is rough wood biting into your back in the care of soldiers who are probably giving you a couple of these along the way. They've already beaten you. Your back is raw because you've been flogged. On your head, you have a crown of thorns. Sounds like a really bad day. This is a tough, tough time. And then he's going through the streets of Jerusalem. Who are in the streets of Jerusalem? The people of Jerusalem. And what did the people do? They were the ones who condemned him to crucifixion. Pilate was willing to let him go. And these are the people who are jeering at him. You are a fool, Jesus. You call yourself the king of the Jews. We're not having none of it. So you can imagine, even as he goes down this very tight road, it's, it's literally less than 10 feet across, the Via della Rosa. It goes through a marketplace. There's no room to move around. You can imagine that there's people along the way doing this. <clears throat> you fool. Yeah, you said, you said you had all the power. Where's your power now? And these are the people that you've come to save. How lonely would Jesus feel? Fathers isolated himself. His disciples have abandoned him. The people who he's come to save are rejecting him, and he's being beaten. It's a rough time. Passage continues, 19 through 22. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, "Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews." Many of the Jews read this sign for the place where Jesus was crucified it was near the city. The sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. Chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate, do not write the king of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. So now all of a sudden, again, it continues to just get worse. Jesus through no fault of his own. And remember, he's here not because of anything he had done except just rattling people's cages. He had committed no sin. He had violated no law. And now he's getting jeered at because a sign above his head, which he didn't put up there, is put above his head. And now he's paying the price, again, for another person's actions. You can almost, I almost imagine... Christ, eventually, when he is nailed up, just looking around, he can't find anything. All the things that he had been connected to for all eternity, the Father and the Spirit. And on earth, his disciples who have brought him joy. And his his mother, we'll talk about her in a moment, people that he cared for and cared about. He's on his own now. And the people that he's actually united with are criminals. The two thieves on either side. This is a tough, tough experience. In fact, I again reiterate, I think this is perhaps the hardest 36-hour time in all of humanity at any time for a person to go through. And yet, it's not that unfamiliar to some. I, I was thinking this week, um, Saugus High School. You all know Saugus High School. That was the place of the shooting this week. What was it Tuesday? Maybe Wednesday. Um, a young boy brought a gun to school, shot some people, and shot himself. Two died, and then he himself died of his own wounds. It's a tragic story, and unfortunately it's getting so ridiculously familiar in our country. And, and I hate it. But I was thinking, especially as you heard the story later on and as it developed about who this kid was, it's difficult for all the people whose kids were wounded and those kids who died, of course, that's hard, and it's hard for the whole community. I get it. But imagine this boy's family. Imagine this kid. And if you hear the story of this kid, yeah, there was divorce and there was a cancer diagnosis in his family. There was tragedy and perhaps that spoke to a mental situation that moved him to grab a gun and bring a gun to school. But you also hear classmates who say, on the cross-country team, we're all good kids. And this kid was on the cross-country team. You have to imagine that the parents and the family of this kid are listening to all the reports about the horrible thing that this kid has done. And they're sitting there going, where did this come from? And it gets insult to injury because then people begin to accuse, right? Oh, it must be the family's fault. It must be the parent's fault. It must be someone's fault that this kid got to this point. And and certainly, all of that can be discussed. And I'm sure that there's people involved in thinking uh, through how do we prevent this sort of stuff through how we build up families and community of support. That's important, necessary, and valid work. But sometimes... Sometimes things like this happen because a kid had a really, really disgusting, horrible, bad two hours. And you can't blame a mom or a dad. And you can't blame a family. You can blame the fact that there's evil in this world and sin in this world, and that family is probably just sitting there going, can it get any worse than this? And we have people... Not to that degree, but people like that in our lives. I think of people this week who 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 are walking through cancer. I think of people who this week who are walking through mourning and loneliness. I sat with somebody even um, this past Friday who is 20 years away from their, their being widowed. And they still have moments when they feel that loneliness and that isolation and that pain. And, and it's like... I just wish it were different, and I I want to feel like things can get better. We all have those spaces, and one of those things that changes those spaces is for people who love to enter into those spaces. You're going to see how that works here as we dig into the Word. Verse 23 and 24 make things just a little bit worse before they get better. When the soldiers crucified him, they took his clothes, divided them into four shares, one for each of them with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another, let's decide by lot who will get it. It's happened that the scripture might be fulfilled that said, they divided my clothes among them, cast lots for my garments. So this is what the soldiers did. So you're in this moment, all the pain All the isolation, all the loneliness, and you're stripped naked. You're sitting hung in front of the world, bare. How much worse can it get? Praise God, we get this moment. Finish the passage. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, woman, here is your son. To the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, the disciple took her into his home. All of a sudden, the story, if only for a second, for Jesus changes we never heard anywhere in this story at any moment That Jesus said a word. He was condemned by Pilate. He was taken through the Via Dolorosa. He was set up on Golgotha. He was nailed to the cross, stripped of his garments, put up in the air, hung there, and said not a word until that moment when finally at the corner of the crowd in the back, I'm sure, because they wouldn't want to be too recognizable. They wouldn't want to be noticed too quickly. They saw what had happened to Peter. All of a sudden, he sees Mary, his mom, and right beside her, he sees John. And in that moment of abject abandonment and loneliness, suddenly there is comfort, just one little comfort that if nothing else, I can have somebody take care of mom. Somebody can watch over mom. And And a son to do that for his mother is the longing, I think, of every son. I'm glad that my mom is cared for. I know her community. I know the things that she's watched over. something happens to me, she's going to be okay. Jesus, in that moment, is wanting it for John. And John, because John was willing to do what nobody else was willing to do, he shows Jesus the love of presence. Now hear me here, it's not easy for him to do that. He had to make that journey from Pilate's place over to Golgotha. He had to go down the Via Della Rosa with Jesus. He had to watch Mary and him together and the other women. He had to watch as they stripped him naked. He had to see the flesh wounds on his back of being flogged and beaten. He had to see his face swollen in places with perhaps fractured bones and stuff like that. He had to see the blood dripping down his face from the crown of thorns. He had to walk in. Into a very difficult space but simply by walking into that difficult space and saying not a word he brought comfort and love and life to Christ now friends hear me here there are people in this room who long for that in their lives I hate to say it I'm I'm just going to point you out There's a lot of widows that are generally in that back corner. We love you. And we know that your journey, and you're not the only ones. There's others in the room. We know that the journey of loneliness is difficult sometimes. And we want, we want to be God's presence to you. That ministry of presence just to simply say, God's love is present with you as we come into your presence. Friends, we can be people who live into that better. I'm excited that we can have the Deacon dinner and be that. I think of other folks who have gone through difficulty and challenge and trial. I think of the hard points of chemotherapy. I even think of Marvoli. By the way, she's doing really well. She had good surgery yesterday. But she's over in the hospital. and, And one of the best things about the family that she's a part of is I don't think she's ever alone. Is she ever alone? Probably not. Because they just keep coming in waves. The next Duritzma, the next Wagner, the next friend. They come being God's presence there. And you know what? It's great that Marvely has it, but we all need it. And we can be that. And here's the beautiful thing about it. When we do that, we're doing exactly what Christ did for us. How do we know that? Really, It's so connected and so beautiful. Turn back in your Bibles to the beginning of the Gospel of John. And what does it say there? It says this. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life. Life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness. The dark has not overcome it. Keep moving on. Verse 14. The word became flesh and what? What did it do? Christ's great ministry is the ministry of presence. Christ came to dwell with us in our yuck. Christ came to be the one who says, I am God's love to you. So when we are living into that in the lives of those around us, when we come, maybe not with words, maybe not with the best gifts, maybe not even with Kentucky Fried Chicken, maybe you should just bring a green salad. Probably better for them. But you're bringing love. And you're bringing yourself, and you're bringing with you Jesus. See, I believe very strongly that the ministry of presence... Is in the same way Jesus was the gospel to us through his dwelling among us. We are the gospel, the story of Jesus to the world around us as we are willing to live into difficult spaces with people who are walking through difficult stuff. And here's the thing, friends. You all know them. There's some back there, there's some over here, some there, some here. There's a whole lot of them out there. People that you know, neighbors that you know of, family members that you haven't talked to in a long time, grandmas who maybe you haven't visited. People in your life that God is prompting you, even right now, you can see the face, you know the story, you know the name. God is calling you to be the gospel to them through his loving presence that you carry with you As you walk in the door. To that end, let's pray. Father, equip us to live as the pillar of faith that John is, that we are willing to walk into the difficulty of hard circumstances, even Lord, when it's hard to watch some of the things that happen. Many of us don't like walking into hospitals, we're not a fan of funerals, but Lord, you call us into those places because when we can go there wanting to love people in those experiences we bring you you have done that for us and now you say go and do likewise in the lives of those around you Or equip us to that end Give us the courage to take steps in faith through the leading and the prompting of your Holy Spirit to step into those hard places in the lives of those around us. Lord, when we come, may we bring encouragement simply by being there. May we bring life and love and hope. And Lord, if you call us to, we'll bring fried chicken. Equip us, Lord, to be your love to a world where there's simply not nearly enough of it. You're the one who can do this through us. And Jesus, we pray you do it. Say it in Jesus' name. Amen.